This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Thursday, January 11th. I'm Julia Caulfield. And I'm Gavin McGough. In today's headlines, Telski promises Lower Hoot will open. County gets organized to get in touch. Case recommends 2024 grant funding. And a mountain weather forecast. The Telluride Ski Resort will be opening Lower Hoot Brown Terrain Park this winter, according to Telski owner Chuck Horning. But, he says, due to the lack of natural snow, the resort will not build Upper Hoot. In a statement, Horning says he wants to combat misinformation circulating around the community. Horning says the terrain park requires a lot of work, power, water, and heavy equipment to produce the features, which are primarily made from man-made snow. According to Horning, the resort has limited and complex water rights and faces the increasing cost of power, heightened by global climate change. Those challenges, he adds, makes it hard to support all the park features. Last year, Horning says it took nearly the whole season to finish the big jump, which he adds was very expensive. Horning says the park is something Telski has created and maintained to, quote, support and showcase the talented kids in our community. Horning was not available for further comment by broadcast deadline. Telski officials say weather dependent, they plan to open Lower Hoot on Saturday, January 13th. You might be hearing more from your county commissioners and county staff in 2024. Some of the ideas that we came up with include a regular column in The Planet and The Norwood Post, a regular live show on KOTO, things like coffee with the commissioner and formal get-togethers to talk about um, topics relative to your respective districts. That's County Communications Coordinator Suzanne Chevins speaking at a brainstorming session this week to make a communications plan for San Miguel County in the coming year. Chevins' position is new as of last year. She says the goal of improving the county's communications strategy is getting it out there that our our county officials, our staff, we're accessible, mm-hmm. uh, we're here to help, we are here to inform. Manager Mike Bordonia adds he'd also like to produce a series of video interviews with different county staff members. That's kind of outside of what you're trying to do, which is what I hear is inform the public and strengthen those relationships. Um, I think I'm trying to remind them of the breadth of employees and um, programs and projects that we're working on, because sometimes people forget that, you know, we have 134 full-time employees working on projects every single day. For her part, Commissioner Ann Brown adds a good communication strategy. It's actually a two-way street. It's We want to be able to share what's going on here, and we also want to hear from people who have an interest and a knowledge or something to share. And all that, I think, eventually leads to better government, right? Better decisions and more ideas. In the past, commissioners published regular columns in the local paper and hosted a live call-in show called County Lines here on Kodo. The county hopes to revive some of those traditions, which fell by the wayside during the pandemic. They also discussed using county social media accounts and publishing a semi-regular email newsletter. The commissioners meet weekly on Wednesdays, and the county attempts to publicize their meeting agendas ahead of time so the public is in the know. 
the county has come under some criticism in recent years from some members of the public who claim the county's decision-making processes are not sufficiently transparent. This is particularly true of land use planning, which tends to be contentious here in the county's east end. Chevins, who formerly worked as an editor at the Daily Planet, says in her experience, this tension is always the case when attempting to communicate. But going forward with a strategy is an important first step. Both in journalism and both in this position, I've found that um, no matter how much information you put out, people will always say that they can't find the information or they never knew anything about it. So that's, that's just the nature of the communication beast. So the best we can do is, as it says here, amplify, keep amplifying, and then we can rest easy and know we've done our best. The commissioners committed to getting a column up and running, scheduling some coffee chats with an open invite to their constituents, and pursuing other strategies to get in touch in 2024. It's potentially the most exciting or nerve-wracking day of the year for local nonprofits. On Wednesday, the Telluride Commission for Community Assistance, Arts and Special Events spent over two hours discussing and advocating for 45 regional nonprofits and recommending grant funding for 2024. From start to finish, the case grant application and recommendation process lasts months. Organizations apply for grant funding from the town of Telluride, then it's Case's job to recommend grant allocations to town council. Stephanie Jacquet, Telluride Parks and Recreation Director, kicks off the discussion, explaining how draft grant recommendations are determined. The board average is everybody's allocation except those who have a conflict of interest, which we do have a good amount of conflicts. Um, People with conflicts do not allocate money to those organizations, uh, but staff will take all the other allocations per applicant and throw out the high and the low amount and then average the rest. And then we do a little bit of rounding to make it all work within the available budget. During its meeting this week, the board evaluates each grant request based on a nine-point criteria that includes things such as demonstration of unique and necessary services, long-term sustainability strategies, outreach efforts and participants served, efforts to promote collaboration between nonprofits and justice, equity, diversity and inclusion goals. Based on discussion, some grant recommendations go up from the average, some go down. But this year, Jacquet urges board members to lean into that average. There's been a lot of discussion about the grant process and specifically this meeting over the past year. Uh, But we want to keep the discussion focused on information that's provided in the grant application with minimal discussion of previous grant cycle data. She encourages the board to discuss organizations individually, not comparing or grouping types of organization. And then really referencing that review criteria. So you guys spent a lot of time scoring based on that. You know what your scores were, what the average scores are, um, and trying to uh, lean on those review criteria as much as possible when proposing changes or even making a point in the discussion. If if you feel like it should be lower, um, you can cite a review criteria for the rest of the board to, to consider as well. And with that, the case board jumps in. Over the course of the discussion, the board works to follow those guidelines. Here's Telluride Town Council member and case board member Ellen Eleven. I think something that really like stuck with me on this one is I was trying to go through the review criteria based on the information in this grant. Like I know about this organization aside, like outside of case, 
But if I was just judging it based on the information that was given to us in the grant application, a lot of this information wasn't given. Like, it doesn't matter if they're doing the thing. They have to tell us they're doing the thing because we can't assume we can't bring our own knowledge into this. We're supposed to do it based on specifically the grants. Organizations are separated into two categories of arts and special events and community support. In total, 30 community support organizations requested over $500,000. With just over $400,000 available, not all the organizations receive full grant requests. The majority of organizations received 90% or more of their funding request, with nine organizations receiving their full funding. When it comes to arts and special events, 15 organizations applied, one more than last year, with total grant requests over $350,000 and just over $250,000 available. Only two organizations received more than 90% of funding, and zero organizations received full funding. Between community support and arts and special events, grant requests range from $2,000 to $60,000. Case recommendations range from roughly $3,000 in funding to approximately $45,000. Telluride Town Council still needs to approve the case recommendations. Council will discuss them at its meeting on Tuesday, January 30th. It's been a winter of low snowpack and low avalanche danger. But that picture is about to change. What we're seeing is this progression from uh, a week ago where you could really go a lot of different places in Colorado, uh, almost anywhere in the mountains, and look at fairly low avalanche risk to a period now where uh, the danger is spreading over much greater extent of the Colorado mountains. Uh, it's getting more likely to trigger these avalanches and the, the size of these avalanches is increasing. That's Ethan Green, director of the Colorado Avalanche Information Center, speaking at a press conference on Thursday as a winter storm enveloped the state. The new snow falls on a high-traffic weekend, with Martin Luther King Day coming up on Monday, and it also lands on a weak existing snowpack. The fresh snow falling on an old lower crust combined with an increase in recreation has avalanche forecasters on alert. The CAIC has issued a special advisory urging backcountry recreators to be aware of the notable increase in risk across the Rocky Mountains. Check the latest forecasts before heading out at avalanche.state.co.us. It's time to bust out of the cold winter darkness and strut your stuff on the runway. The whole kind of concept of the show is based around the idea of color and texture um, that obviously we see in fashion and clothing, but then also just in like emotions, like how we as humans are. That's Leah Barak, a New York City choreographer and director of this year's Telluride AIDS Benefit Fashion Show. It's basically based on creating this masterpiece. So the masterpiece is, you know, what we do together makes a difference. The masterpiece is the community that we build and also doing that in a beautiful way with uh, fabulous clothes and um, all the artistic elements that we'll bring to that. Tab is holding auditions for this year's show this week and asking everyone from the community to show up. Barack says people should think of it as a free masterclass. Come in, 
Have a great time. Learn some choreography. Maybe learn to walk on a beat if you didn't know how to before. And just be a part of that energy because I think that it can be a really fun thing. And if it's something that you've never done, then it can feel really like liberating to be like, oh, I walked into that room and I did this. For those who are keen to make it in the show, Brock says make sure your personality shines and practice walking on a beat. You know, a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Because um, that's just a really important part of when we're in the process. So I think just put on some music in your apartment or your bedroom and just walk to different types of music. Um just to sort of feel that out. Other than that, she says every aesthetic, body type, and personality is welcome. Brock says just show up. We don't even know exactly what we're looking for until we're in the room and we see what we have in front of us and what is being brought to the table. Tab model auditions will take place on Friday, January 12th and Saturday, January 13th. Audition signups are available at TellurideAidsBenefit.org. The Tab Fashion Show will take place at the Conference Center in Mountain Village, February 22nd through 24th. It never hurts to know how to take care of yourself. This week, the Wilkinson Public Library is hosting a self-defense class for women. Taught by 7th degree black belt and six-time international karate champion Andrea Pfeffer-Trombi, the two-hour class will include hands-on training in self-defense techniques, verbal confrontation skills, safety strategies, assertiveness, and situational awareness. The Women's Self-Defense Seminar will take place from 10 a.m. to noon on Saturday, January 13th at the library. Registration is available at telluridelibrary.org. The state of Nebraska is buying land in Colorado for a canal that would take water from the South Platte River. KUNC's Alex Hager reports the Perkins County Canal Project still has a lot of unanswered legal and practical questions. Nebraska recently bought about 90 acres near Julesburg on the Eastern Plains. It's a major step for the project. From the start, critics have said it hasn't been adequately thought through. Jim Yon manages the North Sterling Irrigation District in Colorado. You know, I still wonder about the feasibility of it if they've looked into it closely enough to, you know, really understand exactly how much water they're going to get out. The project hinges on a century-old legal agreement that details Nebraska's legal rights to water from the South Platte. Officials in Lincoln say there's probably still a decade of design, permitting, and construction before the canal becomes a reality. Alex Hager, KUNC. Governor Jared Polis gave his annual State of the State address to a joint session of the state legislature today, Thursday. KOTO's Lucas Brady Woods reports two of his top policy priorities are housing and transportation. Like many lawmakers on both sides of the aisle, Polis is most concerned about Colorado's lack of affordable housing. He thinks housing centered around public transit routes is an important part of solving the problem. He painted a picture of what life would look like with accessible, reliable trains or buses. You know, imagine leaving your home and heading to the train stop or bus station just a few blocks away. Maybe you walk or ride your bike. You don't have to worry about whether you have enough gas or if the roads are icy. Polis backed a failed housing bill last year that would have changed zoning rules to increase housing density, especially around transit hubs. Polis also wants lawmakers to come up with legislation around public safety, education, tax relief, and behavioral health care. 
I'm Lucas Brady-Woods at the State Capitol. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for a 30% chance of snow showers tonight with a low around negative 5 degrees and wind chill values as low as negative 20. Friday, there's a 50% chance of snow showers with a high around 15 degrees and wind chill values as low as negative 20 degrees. Winds could gust up to 35 miles per hour. Friday night, snow showers are likely with a low around 10 degrees and wind gusts as high as 40 miles per hour. Saturday, there's a 50% chance of snow showers during the day and a 90% chance of snow showers at night. The high is near 20 degrees with a low around 15. This has been the news for Thursday, January 11th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.